While the battle rages in D.C. over the future of those who qualify for or have received DACA, altogether minimized or forgotten is the injustice being committed towards their parents. Somewhere along the line, a pragmatic decision was made that calculated that the best shot at a political victory for both DACA recipients and those who are qualified but have yet to apply for the program was to, in part, stir sympathy for them as victims. They were brought here through no fault of their own, as you hear. What does this imply as far as those whose fault it was? Why, of course, it was the parents. They were the criminals who violated our sacred belief in the rule of law. This is why I have a problem with the current title of Dreamers. Not because I don't think it is an appropriate description of the amazing young men and women to whom it is currently applied. I just think it is true of all undocumented immigrants. I wonder if President Trump ever had dreams about his children's future. I'm assuming he did. And I'm not talking about the overly controlling dreams which all parents are susceptible to, perhaps pinning the hopes of vicariously fulfilling our own unrealized ambitions through the life and accomplishments of our offspring. But dreams born of love, fueling a drive to make any sacrifice deemed necessary for their children so that they could have every opportunity to succeed in life. Aren't these dreams worth recognizing? Luba Cortez shared the story of one such dreamer, her mom in a great op-ed piece in the New York Times in June of 2016. This mom left behind a career as a lawyer in Mexico to become a housekeeper in New York City. I'm sure that in many ways she sacrificed her own dreams for the hope of her daughters. The same is true of Christian Olvera's mom and dad, whom he now has to drive to their work due to the fear that even a minor trafficking offense could trigger their deportation. Yet the extreme right columnist and contributor to the Daily Caller, David Benkoff, called this decision that Luba's mom and Christian's parents made, along with millions of other parents, quote, stunningly callous and cruel, end quote, given the risks of future deportation. Mr. Benkoff and others who take a hard line on what they call chain migration, including President Trump and Stephen Miller, are not only displaying a shocking lack of basic human empathy by saying such things, but also a significant amount of amnesia as it relates to their own personal history. Unless you're among the approximately 2% of the U.S. population or Native Americans, you have to retrace your genealogical steps back to someone who shared the same dreams as these undocumented parents. Al Jazeera did a fantastic job pointing this out in a short video they recently released. We need to end chain migration. When the White House uses the term chain migration, it's meant to suggest migrants yanking a chain and pulling in all of their unskilled extended family to settle in the U.S. But that's how migration has worked in the U.S. since the country's founding. Researchers have dug up some notable examples of families reuniting after settling in the U.S. For example, Donald Trump, whose mother left Scotland to join her sister who'd already settled in the U.S., and whose grandfather moved from Germany at the end of the 19th century to join his sister who'd been granted residency the year before. He spoke little English. He had trained as a barber's apprentice, but there was no critical shortage of barbers in the U.S., such ancestral journeys are common in the administration. Vice President Mike Pence, too, wouldn't be in the U.S. were it not for what he calls chain migration. His grandfather was one of several in his family who took advantage of his sibling's U.S. residency. And then there's White House advisor Stephen Miller, one of the architects of the tough line against immigration. His great-great-grandfather was pulled into the U.S. by a non-blood relative from Belarus. Assimilation was hard for the family. Miller's great-grandmother still didn't speak English four years after her arrival. I personally have found it impossible to understand how people can advocate for legislation that, had it been in effect at the time, might have blocked their own ancestors from pursuing their dreams in a new nation. 
Back to today's undocumented dreamers, young and old. It's as if American history is repeating itself as the pharaohs again blame those they enslaved. We the people have, through the officials we elected, been complicit in the systemic exploitation of yet another entire ethnic group by creating laws and then selectively enforcing them over decades in order to reap the benefits of cheap labor. It's ironic that the top two industries where undocumented immigrants make up the largest percentage of the workforce are private housekeeping and agriculture. It's like we were inconvenienced by the civil rights movement and had to switch out black people for brown people. Meanwhile, the religious people who elected President Trump, specifically the 81% of white evangelicals who are supposed to be the most quote-unquote pro-family, lend political support to the very policies that will tear good, hard-working families apart. But that is a demon I will leave them to exercise. So what can you and I do right now? 1. Call your representatives in Congress and tell them that you want them to protect all dreamers, including the parents of those who have received or are qualified for DACA. At the very least, provide them with temporary legal status with a reasonable pathway to permanent legal residency, a solution that seems to have some bipartisan support. Let your representatives know that their record on this issue will greatly impact your vote the next time that they are up for re-election. 2. At the local level, advocate that your city become a sanctuary city. 3. Consider various forms of civic disobedience. Religious congregations can become sanctuaries because ICE policies still will not allow arrests at houses of worship. 4. Educate your family and friends on undocumented immigrants in contrast to the demagoguery spewing out of the White House and their allies. No, undocumented immigrants are not a drain on our economy. In reality, are far less prone to criminal activity than the native-born population. These are just a few examples. 5. When it is safe and appropriate to do so, introduce skeptics to real dreamers. It won't always work, but in my own extensive experience with refugees, I've found it to be incredibly effective in helping opponents of immigration reform move past their dehumanizing stereotypes. Collectively, if we persevere in these actions, I believe in the end we will win this fight and advance opportunity for all of us, without exception, to dream. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast, and remember that you can check out more of my takes on faith, social justice, and popular culture, along with other life-inspiring musings, by visiting www.curtelewis.com. If you enjoyed and benefited from this and other publications featured on my website, would you take a few minutes to show your support? First, you can share it with your friends via social media, text, message, email, word of mouth, pigeon bird, cave art, whichever you prefer. Second, if you're listening on iTunes, take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast and to give it a positive review. Lastly, you can help me to continue to produce these podcasts by making monthly or one-time financial contributions. Click on subscribe support on the website to learn more. Again, thanks so much for listening.